Good afternoon. This is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County, welcoming you to the April 2023 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly interview show broadcast the second Monday of each month on WPKN 89.5 FM, bringing you news and information about the arts and culture across coastal Fairfield County. This month, our subject is a big one, the arts and healing. What can the impact of the arts be on our mental, spiritual, and even physical health? We're going to tackle this one by looking at a few specific examples of recent, upcoming, or ongoing work by some of our members. A concert, an exhibition, a play, and the ongoing teaching of painting to young people that demonstrate the healing power of the arts in different ways. Our guide for this hour will be Diane Niklaus, a creative wellness coach for many years who was trained at Duke University in integrative health coaching and who's had a very deep interest in this arena for many years. Diane's had a long and active involvement in the arts and culture in our region too. He's been a curator, marketing lead and still committee member of the Flynn Gallery at the Greenwich Library and was director of the Gilles Clement Gallery in Greenwich for over two years, and is now marketing and communications director at the Greenwich Historical Society. Welcome, Diane. Thank you, David. Nice to be here. Also joining us in the studio is Tatiana Mori, director of the Greenwich Arts Council, that has been presenting a series of concerts and lectures at the Arts Centre, Healing Voices, in collaboration with the Yale Voice Center at Greenwich Hospital, the last coming up this Thursday, as well as an Art for Healing exhibition, also opening this Thursday, of works that have inspired artists through difficult times and have given them a voice to celebrate their own work. Tatiana was curator at the Arts Council for some 16 years before she was appointed executive director in 2018. Welcome, Tatiana. Thank you for having me here, David. And joining us by phone today are two teaching artists, uh, Felicity Kostakis, who grew up in Sydney, Australia, painting from a very early age, and after a brief stint in Dublin, moved to Connecticut in 1998, where she struck up a strong relationship with the Connecticut coastline. Committed to teaching, Felicity has taught at Action Arts and at Grant Greenwich Academy since 2007, as well as at her own studio in Old Greenwich, where she witnesses the often dramatic positive results of painting to her students. Felicity, by the way, is also on the boards of the Greenwich Arts Council and the Bruce Museum, where, among many other things, she started the Bruce Museum's Junior Art Competition in 2020, in the midst of the pandemic. Welcome, Felicity. Thank you, David. Great to have you with us. Thank and you. also uh, joining us uh, later by phone will be Darcy Hicks, who taught at King's Highway Elementary for seven years before starting her own company, Doorways to Thinking, coaching teachers in visual literacy. In 2021, Darcy was appointed co-director of education at the Norwalk Art Space working alongside Duvia Montoya and four resident artists each year as they teach free art classes to Norwalk high schoolers. 
And finally, moving to the dramatic arts, I'm very pleased to welcome, also on the phone, Patricia Spugani, who is lighting designer, community outreach director, fundraiser, and I'm sure many other things, at the Town Players of New Canaan, one of the many community theatres across our region that is based in the Powerhouse Performing Arts Centre in Waveney Park, New Canaan. The Town Players recently produced a very well-received production of Ordinary People, working very closely with Silver Hill Hospital, both in making the production as authentic as possible and in organising related community programmes addressing mental illness. Welcome, Patricia. Thank you, David. Glad to be here. Yes. So let's start with you, Diane, our guide for the day. <laughs> as we've seen, you're very active in the arts and culture scene of, of Greenwich. Tell us how you became engaged in this whole arena of arts and healing. How did your personal journey into this field begin? Well, I think that really the arts have always been a part of my life. Um, mm -hmm. And kind of health and healing also have been since back in the 70s I was you know early on very conscious of my my own well-being and interested in that but um, probably the very first encounter came maybe back in the 70s when I first encountered Centering the book Poetry Pottery of oh, the Person. Yes by MC Richards yes. I love that book. Uh, yeah. It really resonated with me and mm. although I was writing a lot of poetry at the time I I only started in ceramics much later, really only in maybe 2008 or 10. Yeah, but for me that, I didn't, didn't matter. I never, never <laughs> became a potter, but that whole concept of centering the self. The metaphor of sort of how the clay on the wheel is sort of this metaphor for the formation of one's identity, the struggles, the suffering, the sort of getting over right. the mistakes and right. moving forward. I think she was very much um, almost like a Buddhist in a way mm -hmm. when, you know, you sort of accept the, the difficulties of life as part of what it's about and right. knowing how to just kind of get back up Bring and keep working on it in, and coming yeah. into that healing, you know, actually in, in my later studies realized that he, the source of the word healing actually comes from wholeness, becoming whole mm -hmm. and that, that, also really resonates as, a, as an image of what it is that we're trying to do mm. when we are healing or trying mm -hmm. to be, remain in a healthy state. Mm. It's not just the absence of disease. It's that right. sense of completion, of, of, of holding all that we are in a place that is kind of our own container, not necessarily relative to other right. things. That's beautifully put. So that, yeah. that really, for me... Um, and although you're right, ceramics didn't really, wasn't essential, I was very drawn to that. And then I ended up living in Japan for actually eight years wow. and still didn't do ceramics. But when I came back, I finally thought, you know, I was an appreciator and an arts supporter, goer, art history major. It was always there. But aside from writing, I never really, really tackled a, a particular, you know, producing art, being an, a creative in that mm -hmm. true sense of, of participation. So... But it was a consciousness more. Yes, kind of. yes. But I always felt like my hands need to do this thing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh -huh. And when I did, it really turned out to be a pivotal time for me. Um, I, I just uh, started doing that work. And at that time, kind of inversely, all these things started happening in my life. I took on the care of my aunt who had uh, sudden onset dementia 
and my father had a stroke that was oh, paralyzing, gosh. and my friend was diagnosed with stage four cancer, and it didn't. It went very quickly, mm. and I was in this place where I mm. really felt it was a positive thing to have that that activity to center myself and ground mm. and cope. But I also became much more attracted to that health part. And um, at the time, I had left my corporate kind of career and was working in design, but I was looking for something with more meaning. And I went through this integrative health coach training at Duke um, back in almost, it's almost 10 years. So was that, um, that was a kind of pioneering? It was new at the time. I mean, coaching now as a, a health coaching, as this intermediary between the physicians and the patient, where doctors now are so, it's part of our insurance system too, where doctors oh. don't have enough time right. for their patients. And it's very much, you know, come in, you know, get your prescription. You, you usually you need a diagnosis and it's you're on your own uh, in between. So mm-hmm. the role of the health coach has come much further along since I first started there. Duke was at the front lines of getting it recognized as a viable <laughs> insurance uh, covered um, service. And uh, it was a great program, uh, but something called the Wheel of Health was pivotal, really central to the training. And it Isn't looked at all these. Again. And there's <laughs> that wheel. No, it's always a wheel. No, no, believe me, I have other wheels. <laughs> okay. It's a metaphor. Um, but that wheel uh, was miss. It had you know personal, your physical environment, your diet, exercise, all the kind of obvious things. But the. Um, the aspect of creativity was conspicuously missing to me, and I, I really felt that I wanted to pursue that further. And that's where I really got into taking more programs that were focused on the arts. And again, as luck would have it, it was right before the pandemic. I lost my job at the at the gallery and was in the thick of this kind of training mm-hmm. of how mm-hmm. to utilize the arts as a modality of coping and healing, and there I was in lockdown, and really it was, a, again, so so profound for me to be working more in that, be able to direct that role of facilitating um, well-being through the arts. And the world kind of was on the same page, as you know. Everybody right. started really focusing on using the, their own uh, channels and finding new channels of creative expression mm-hmm. in a way that they hadn't before. Just one thing, um, often, you know, art therapy comes up. Could you talk a little bit about where art therapy comes into this, how it's different from... Yeah, I think art therapy uh, has been out there for... In fact, when I was a student, I considered various career paths, and it Mm -hmm. was one of them back then. Um, And if I were to distinguish between art therapy and what we're talking about today in a more general an accessible sense of, of lifestyle. It's sort of subscribing to something sort of as a person, individual versus, you know, the prescription being prescribed or where there's more of a integration into one's lifestyle. It, like you would have a health regimen or a, uh-huh. take vitamins or watch your diet so that you can maintain a healthy balance. Um, for me, interaction with the arts and creative wellness as I see it is looking at you know, not as this separate kind of going to a therapist or going to your doctor or art therapy tends to have more of a a, 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 a defined situation, circumstance right. or diagnosis. And it is more intentional, although we share the art as 
process versus product, our therapists are also looking at this kind of freeing of the potential of personal expression through therapy. It's generally much more focused on specific outcomes, whereas the way I work and my training is much more intuitive and it it doesn't, in fact, you may not realize that you've had a trauma until you've actually (laughs) gone through the process of art making or mark making or writing or whatever that channel might be because we have... Huh. It's not this identif- hard stop of like, you know, you're healthy and the next day something happens and you're ill or you get right. sick. It's about, again, maintaining that state of well-being and not recognizing consciously that maybe something happened in your childhood as you're creating a collage or as you're listening to a music or having some kind of engagement with the arts in that stillness that we don't often take. And it's also more freeing than consciously sometimes you can't verbalize what you're feeling if you were in a therapy session right right like what's the problem you tend to be looking into the past whereas through this intuitive process um that is much more coming from within in a way that's not intentional things are uncovered It, it happened to me quite a few times in my training where I realized that uh certain behaviors or reactions were due to things that seem small in the past, but mm-hmm. really were pivotal and maybe can be defined as traumatic, but it wasn't uh, out there <laughs> as right. such. Right. So if that defines the distinction, yes. now it's really... Yeah. Um, so it's more holistic, it's more active and on, ongoing. Um, ideally. Yeah. I mean, that's what we yeah. should be yeah, striving toward, I think. Yeah. If you're just joining us, this is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County and the April 2023 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Our program today, The Arts and Healing, looks at what the impact can be of the arts on our mental, spiritual, and physical health. Our guide for this hour is creative wellness coach Diane Niklaus. Joining Diane in the studio today is Tatiana Mori, director of the Greenwich Arts Council, And joining us by phone are two teaching artists, Darcy Hicks, co-director of education at the Norwalk Art Space, and Felicity Kostakis, who has taught at Action Arts and at the Greenwich Academy and at her own studio. And Patricia Spugani with the Town Players of New Canaan. So I want to turn to Tatiana. Um, Tatiana, this program, or idea for this program, really got started by our noticing this amazing series that you have been holding at the Greenwich Arts Council with the Yale Voice Centre Mm -hmm. at Greenwich Hospital. Yes. The last concert, which is coming up this Thursday, although I hear that it's sold out completely. Um, So tell us a little bit about this Healing Voices series. What, um, What attracted you to the idea and how did the project get underway? So the project idea actually came um, in 2000, in the end of 2018. I met with oh. Dr. Michael Lerner from yes. the uh, Yale Voice Center, and, and he basically, he and I were talking about the possibilities of creating a series where we can have people that they have treated for many voice reasons when some singer loses a voice or they need therapy for the voice. That's what they, they do heal. They heal your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, that perhaps we can do a, a just a lecture about the importance of taking care of your own voice whether you're 
just a regular person who has a job or you're a teacher, you're a singer or somebody who's in the professional. Um, that was sort of the concept of, of, the, uh, of the lecture we were going to have basically in the mm-hmm. spring of 2019. Oh, and right. then pandemic came. <laughs> and so uh, we just basically at that time in 2019, we just, it was just one more program we couldn't have. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I think it was 2020, in 2000, in the end of 2020, um, I met with the doctors again, but we didn't know, we didn't have a time when we would be reopened to the public. And, but somehow our idea of just having one lecture became a series because we started to realize that people needed more than just the healing of their voices. They needed more, almost, it was almost like a salvation. And every time we, um, at the time, Dr. Andrew Kells came also into the picture and he would suggest a singer who for a period of time, they couldn't sing, they couldn't mm-hmm. perform. So you have to bring your voice back. But we didn't re- what we didn't realize was how much of like what you said, the trauma or the pain that that was causing the artists not to be able to perform. They lost their mm-hmm. voice. So how do you come back from right. it? It so wasn't just losing your voice. It, wasn't just it was losing, losing a major exactly. part of yourself. So our first... Our first series was about introducing people the importance of taking care of our voice, how it is that we have to do these very simple exercises on how to care for ourselves. The second one was really we went into having the actual musicians and performers and Broadway actors who we even had a gentleman who was um, doing the narratives for the soccer matches that he couldn't <laughs> remember that, right. that, he, couldn't that? Speak, remember? he couldn't say the goal part of his and he thought he was done in his career so we don't realize how much of, of a toll that takes in your life mm. when you lose something so important so by us doing this series we also started to notice that it's now something bigger than our one lecture that we started back in 2018. So we are planning the, the, the next year series, but now we're thinking that it might have to be a bigger program. Really? Than, yeah, because wow. the need is so great, as Diane was saying, that you have to be able to bring the tools for people to sort of grab onto them and realize that there is support. And the arts has that magic power of healing you in ways that we can't even express it with words. So I think it's there's an important... The, the hospital connection is a very important one because they're able to tap in into resources that as artists and creators, we, we try to come up with the idea, but we need someone to take it farther and help us because mm. that's what we really need to do. And and so the series will grow next year and there will be probably more than just three. And we're trying to see how much more we can do, you know, beyond just the voice. Healing. Wow. Um, well, two things I'm sure we'll get to that collaboration with the hospital mm-hmm. when we talk to Patricia later on uh, as she was um, working with Silver Hill Psychiatric yeah. Hospital. Um, but tell me more a little bit about the reception. You, you were surprised by the reception? These three events have completely sold out. Completely sold out. The first one, we, we didn't know if we were going to sell 10 tickets. We even <laughs> had a number in our head. We're thinking, we do 20 people, we'll bring some guests, uh-huh. and we'll look the room full. The, and it was a success. I think we had about 75 people uh-huh. on our first series. Uh-huh. The second one sold out. Hmm. And we even had people in the hallway... This third one, we 
oversold it because the demand is so greater that we're probably going to stream it outside uh, of our good. our um, recital room because we just couldn't turn down people. They they seem to want to be part of 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 hmm. this event. So um, it, it's it did really good. It it's like really you've good. really tapped well, a nerve. You've tapped into something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so Dan, what's your response to this um, program and its success? Well, having been in the room for the second event, mm-hmm. um, which was just, it was amazing. Uh, of course, I'm very heartened and I love seeing the involvement and partnership with a medical you know, organization like Yale. And that, I think it's, it does give people a, a different level of um, kind of attention when there is mm. something happening in the arts that's suddenly aligned, as you've said. Yeah. It's just... Mm personal even if the stories seem different people feel they're going to glean something really uh, that is relevant to them and i i felt that was an extremely moving event on Mm -hmm. so many levels um and at first i have to i have to admit at first i thought when david you know he brought it up too as a part of what what i've been doing and what we've been talking about and it seemed like a little bit inverted. It wasn't really the same thing as you're doing art to heal, and it's this is a hospital and medical, and they have an injury. <laughs> and then I realized as I got closer to the content and was there that this is this is it's it's inverted in a way, but it's so much more powerful in the sense that these individuals um, represent artists who really are in their art their voices are their physical it's not like holding a paintbrush it's Correct. it's their body mm-hmm. their body is actually the the instrument mm-hmm. and they reach this impasse of trauma whether it's injury or i mean disease yeah. whatever overuse simply um and that that you could feel the pain that yeah. they went through and that Joy was palpable, I think, across mm. the room. Oh, like yes. a collective, yeah. a collective uh-huh. celebration when they were able to co- tell their stories. It was so well done, yeah. uh, telling their stories, and then even you know everybody was pretty much a musician, so they would they had their instrument. But yeah. the yeah. soccer guy, the soccer guy, <laughs> when you put the game on the screen, and there he was, like calling a game <laughs> in front of us in a recital room. Like that was something that you know is we've all heard that goal cry on the radio or on tv but to be in the room with him and feel that energy and the joy of recovery Recovery. i mean really in that sense that to be reconnected with your art through this physical transformation with the help of you know medical intervention i got it totally as like yes this is seriously um profoundly connected to what we're talking about and um I think something that it was, to me, was very important throughout the series and even working with these two incredible doctors, it's the amount of care that they put Mm -hmm. on each of their patients because it's each one that stood up there and talked about their experience. It wasn't a testament to what happened. It was really these two doctors that just took such a great care of them. And when you think about all of that, that's all we really need in a way after what we have gone through. We just need someone to care really yeah. deeply. And it, it seemed that that was always the, the threat on everyone that stood up and told the story mm. about what they went through. Yeah, they had real relationships. They had real you relationships. Could feel that. Yeah. It's tangible. Yeah. And Tatiana, now you have an exhibition yes. that was inspired yes. by 
this experience. How did that happen? Same. Uh, uh-huh. Through the doctors, we had a brainstorm session and we thought how <laughs> yes. we can, you know, because we had our last, it's hard because after pandemic, even though you wanted to plan a full season of, of yes. exhibitions and things, Tell everything, yes. there's always an element of yeah. surprise. So we kind of thought, okay, let's just take it one month at a time. And so when we were brainstorming for our, uh, our third session, we realized, why don't we take it one step farther? And we, we just mount an exhibition based on that. So we asked our member artists and artists to submit, um, you know, their work and their story behind the work. What what happened when you did that work of art? So the doctors were actually part of the, the panel of, of touring and doing the entry. So we selected 22 pieces of art to be in this place. The show opens on Thursday and it's an it's incredible collection. And I was talking to Diane early. You see these works of art, but when you read the stories, the painting becomes something uh, completely uh-huh. different. So I do encourage everyone to come and see it. It's a beautiful And this display. isn't specifically about voice. This is... It's, all, a speci- all... it's, it's really just the power of healing, the art. Yes. So yeah. that's kind of what we, we wanted to go for. So giving voice, I think, is also a great segue to our two art teachers we have with us today, Felicity Kostakis and Darcy Hicks. So let's start with Felicity. Um, Felicity, tell us a little bit about how painting became such an important part of your life. Well, um, interestingly, you know, just going back to what Diana, Diane and Tatiana had mentioned, uh, Tatiana said art has magic power of healing and you know I always loved painting and creating but um, a while back I had a personal tragedy and it really affected me and I was in a in a dark place essentially I had lost my baby and I had to give birth to a baby that I knew that I was never going to be able to hold or bring up in this world. And it was very painful. Mm. And it was a bad time. And and I had two children of my own. And I knew that I had to keep my family going and I had to keep working and I had to try and heal. And again, Tatiana said, art has the magic power. And this is where the magic came through. And a friend of mine said, why don't you paint your portrait? And I said, honestly, the last thing I want to do <laughs> is paint. <laughs> um, but she snapped a photo of me, unbeknownst to me, snapped a photo. <laughs> and she gave it to me and she said, paint this. Now, the painting, it's a self-portrait. It took me two years to complete. Wow. But I have to say that was magic for me that was therapeutic it was cathartic it was medicine and it helped me heal um i teach children now um all that process that i understood and that i learned personally and i think the pandemic has augmented a lot of emotions in young adults, teenage kids, even young children. Mm. And I think that art-based therapies are working. Um, You know, a lot of these kids are facing anxiety, depression, stress, the feeling of isolation, um, you know, opposing emotions, 
um, insecurities and it helps children uh, gain increased consciousness, which is, again, going back to Diane's point about um, gaining that consciousness through art-based therapies. So, Felicity, were you teaching before um, this terrible thing happened to you? Or did this lead you to teaching? Yeah, I was teaching, and but I didn't understand or I didn't appreciate its full value or how impactful and transformational it can be. Mm-hmm. Now, in my circumstance, it was, you know, I lost a baby, but with someone else, it could be, you know, they could have, and I've taught a child that had autism. And for them, it was their way of communicating. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was improving their quality of life. It was a body-mind therapy. Um, and, you know, the, there was a study done at Boston University in 2021 that found that depression rates had tripled in the U.S. Uh, and I do believe that a lot of my students that were, you know, had no school to go to, that were feeling isolated, art made them feel better. Mm. Um, it teaches them coping mechanisms rather than harming themselves. They can teach them coping mechanisms. They can get a pen and paper and they can doodle. They can pick up a paintbrush. They can paint. They can create. And they have instant gratification. Um, you know, I think Van Gogh, uh, there's a quote by Van Gogh, and we all know Van Gogh had a troubled life, short troubled life. And he had said uh, in a, some writings to his brother, Theo, art is to console those who are broken by life. Hmm. So I wonder, so, wonder if you're, um, how, how are you teaching differently? You're more aware oh, of this. Oh, absolutely. Teaching us. completely differently hmm. depending on who I'm teaching. Hmm. If I'm teaching a young, if I'm teaching a teenager and I know that they have um, anxiety or depression or stress or insecurities, I really follow their lead and I'm completely 100% transparent. And as soon as they get involved in whatever type of medium that they are attracted to, this whole therapeutic element just comes organically from this child. Hmm. And whether it's them creating something or talking about their feelings while they're creating is is really quite remarkable. Oh. Well, that's amazing work that you're doing, um, Felicity. Um, is, let's see if Dar- now Darcy is on the phone. Um, yes. Hi, Darcy. So Hi, how are you? Also an artist and a, and a teacher. Which came first? <laughs> Uh, uh, being an artist, if you count um, being an artist at age, you know, the second you can pick up a crayon, then right. I would say art came first. I was raised by an artist, um, and it sort of became over the years of my childhood and, and adult life really um, sort of a raft for me. Hmm. Um, it's, it's how I found my voice. It's how I um, dealt with with 
different traumatic events in my life and continue to. Um, but I've also been, I have been an educator um, of children and adults for the last 30 years, um, focusing on the arts as well. Um, it all seemed to kind of fit together very smoothly. That's great. Now, for the last, uh, what, couple couple years, two and a half years, mm-hmm. you've been co-director of education at the Norwalk Art Space. Can you tell mm-hmm. us uh, about the program at the Art Space and your role there? Yes. Um, so I am um, educational director there, and the Norwalk Art Space is, is really a community space that serves um, established artists, emerging artists, and young students um, in the area at no cost. Um, so our, our artist fellows who exhibit the art mentor the resident artists who, um, who are using the studios downstairs, um, and they in turn teach and mentor our students uh, my role as education director is to coach both the resident artists um, in their roles as teachers uh-huh. and then also to teach you know I never I, I never want to be without children in my life so I also <laughs> teach the kids and do workshops yeah. um, and I do a lot of teacher training on professional development days for the public schools that's a lot. Site. So, yeah, um, it's fun. So um, I don't know whether people know, but the art space is right next to our office, the Cultural Alliance office in Matthews Park. Mm-hmm. And I think one of my strongest memories is your report, I think after the first year of operation, of the impact these classes were having on the high schoolers who were coming to the classes. Uh, I think it was just the, an annual report to the board and to advisors, and I remember being just blown away by the stories that you were telling us. Can you tell us a little about this experience and what sure. you've learned from your engagement with these young sure. people? I, yeah, well, I came in to the space um, not just with my own experience as an artist um, and an art teacher, but um, I had I had been before that working as a visual literacy coach um, with the Yale Center for British Art and the, and the oh. New Haven Public Schools for about eight years. So mm-hmm. I kind of came in knowing already and believing very strongly in the power of art um, as uh, a strengthener of literacy. But but when we started off our research in visual literacy, it was really about, you know, tr- literacy in the traditional sense. But but over the years, it's it's very clear through qualitative research that it engenders an amazing amount of emotional literacy, which so many of your guests have already kind of touched on. Um, and so I kind of came into the Norwalk Art Space to sort of, you know, knowing that this was not only already proven in my world, but also um, incredibly important because the timing, I mean, it, you know, the Norwalk Art Space opened just, just as right. the world was reopening. Yes. And so the children, especially the students we were getting were, you know, were recovering from the trauma of COVID, um, which, you know, furthered something that I've already noticed over my 30 years of teaching, which is an incredible amount of sensory loss as children have, um, engaged with screens and uh-huh. just basically uh-huh. overscheduling, yeah. you know, overscheduled lives, et cetera, and having more and more of their work done on computers instead of with their hands. 
um, you know, they really, you know, there's some research out there that talks about this. They've, they've really lost, um, you know, touch with what it feels mm. like to touch things mm. or smell things or, and so, um, it's, it sort of frightens me. Uh, and I think through, through COVID that was compacted. So, um, focus a lot on the senses. I think that um, that has been really part of, you know, so many of your guests have talked so eloquently about the power of art as building voice and building confidence and finding agency and and sort of, you know, finding out who you are. Um, But um, I guess I could add to that, that it, it sort of gets us back in touch with our bodies in a sense that in a way that we're, we really don't have the opportunity to do in a regular school day. Um, one of the things that's also kind of undervalued, I think at least has been by me, is um, this idea that it's really, it, it is about the art, but it's also about the time and the space when you're doing art. I mean, it's what everybody's calling mindfulness now. But, right. um, you know, when, when children come and, you know, I always interview them, um, if I, if I see them, I always say like, what do you love about being here? You know, what did you love? Are you going to come back? You know, what was it? And they're more often than not, they say, I just loved being in a big sunny room <laughs> where I wasn't thinking about homework. I wasn't thinking about school. It's a full two hours. It's like this space that they don't get. You know, they just don't right. get that carved out for them. Usually it's, you know, even their classes are not that long. They're, you know, everybody's just kind of hopping from one thing to another. And the busyness of life makes it very hard to process our trauma, our just our regular everyday feelings um, and figure out who we are. There's no time, really, you know. And so this has sort of been a beautiful thing to watch, to see children come in and, and, you know, young adults come in and really explore who they are by making art, talking about art, um, and just sort of self-discovery, you know, um, and it happens with our resident artists too, who come in and, and work in the room. It even happens with adults. Um, I, there was a workshop the other day, a family, uh, museum workshop. Um, and one of the families that came in was a a mother with two teenage daughters and a teenage niece. And they were, I asked them to find one art piece in the gallery to, um, to associate with themselves and to discuss and to kind of bond over. And it happened to be a piece that had a lot of little tiny, um, figures in it that were clearly going through the immigration process. And this was a woman who had come to the United States at the age of seven um, from Mexico and, you know, really struggled and is, you know, raising her, these daughters. And she was able through the painting to tell her story of immigration and her, her path in a way that was so beautiful. And there were tears and there was just such bonding um, among the mother and her teenage daughters who I have to say, you know, didn't all, seemed to want to be there in the beginning. (laughs) They they clearly had other plans for their Sunday, but then when they were doing that, um, you know, it all left them. Yeah. Diane's point about um, this whole area is being one of discovery. Um, 
things that often you you don't suspect <laughs> that mm-hmm. art can unlock um, so much. Diane, any commentary on our two painters, teaching artists? Yes, what such important work you're both doing, and so um, so powerful your stories, both personal and just observing what what your students um, are experiencing. And I think, you know, again, there's in the same way we talked about the medical field, I think education is another area in our country, at least, where for me, I was fortunate to have art and music and mm. at, from a, a big beginning mm. in school. But it was shocking when I realized that so many schools in our country actually don't have art and music programs and that there is, you know, this need, especially when, when children are just in this place of discovering who they are especially as they get into those middle right. ages but um the the fact that it's become actually more of a topic as well to in- include the arts um in education well just to realize that the arts should actually be core core they are um, where is that right at the core of our, that our a being is there rather than being this somehow extra nice thing activity. To, to right be, it just seemed like some kind of luxury and it, it's not and i think that attention attention well first of all like kids paying attention in school is like a bit, boys more than i have two boys so i'm more <laughs> sensitive to that dynamic but I tried on the PTA to get yoga incorporated and, you know, the physical or the verbal uh, angle of socio-emotional learning is just a lot harder um, than it is if you were to put creativity and that uh, that value and as a tool of mindfulness and focus into the classroom when right. kids are young. Mm-hmm. And I, the last thing I wanted to just touch on was that that we're talking a lot about creativity, but as Darcy just talked about, like the looking at art you know, right. in a room is mm. also, you know, again, you don't have to be making it, but experiencing art in that more, what we would consider a passive way can be extremely dynamic right. at the end. Yeah. yeah. If you're just joining us, this is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County and the April 2023 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Our program today, The Arts and Healing, looks at what the impact can be of the arts on our mental, spiritual, and physical health. Our guide for this hour is creative wellness coach Diane Niklaus. Joining Diane in the studio today is Tatiana Mori, director of the Greenwich Arts Council. Joining us by phone are two teaching artists, Darcy Hicks, director of education at the Norwalk Art Space, and Felicity Kostakis, who has taught at Action Arts, the Greenwich Academy, and at her own studio, and Patricia Spugani with the town Players of New Canaan. And now it's finally Patricia's turn. Let's turn to the theatre and welcome, Patricia. You've been working for many years as, uh, we've said, community outreach, lighting designer, and I'm, I'm sure much more at the town Players of New Canaan, one of our active community theatres in our region. Um, first, tell us a little bit about the town players and your involvement in this group. David and uh, everyone listening, thanks so much for the opportunity to join you in this group today. Uh, town Players of New Canaan has been formally in existence for 77 years, so it's got quite a wow. legacy yeah. in New Canaan. And since 1983, we've called the Powerhouse Theater in Waveney Park, also in New Canaan, as our permanent home. So we have a wonderful 
public-private partnership with the town of New Canaan, who owns the historic building there that was built in the late 1900s. Uh, so it's it's a great 115-seat theater, and Town Players operates it year-round. It's well-equipped with lighting, sound, and heat and air conditioning, so it's, it's a very comfortable theater. We produce five main stage shows this year, actually six every year. We do stage readings of new plays and old plays. We have uh, special events. We also host uh, theater arts education for adults and children. And we're ramping up our, our kids' theater arts program or performing arts program in the next few years. So it's been a very active and part of the New Canaan community and our surrounding and town. I have to attest to the great spirit there. There's a wonderful spirit in that theater when I've, when I've uh, been there. Uh, so really a terrific uh, and, asset. Um, personally, to I started volunteering there. I should mention it's an all-volunteer 501c3 nonprofit organization. We're very proud of maintaining that all-volunteer community. Uh, community group that includes directors, actors, the cast, the board members. Uh, we're all there because we love theater and that theater in particular. That's great. Uh, I started volunteering there when I uh, retired in 2018 and uh, resurrected my interest in lighting design, which I've got a bachelor's in technical theater. Oh. So that was a great opportunity for me. My husband builds the sets, and uh, it's, a, you know, it's become a family adventure. Uh -huh. Yes. So we were very interested in your recent, and I gather, very successful production of Ordinary People, which is a play based on the 1980 Robert Redford film that many people know, uh, that itself was taken from Judith Guest's 1976 novel of the same name, about uh, deep loss in a family, trauma and mental in illness and to stage the play and make it accessible and meaningful to a wide range of people I gather you work very closely with Silver Hill Hospital both in creating a production and in putting together special community programs uh, to that engage teens and others in addressing mental illness can you just tell us about the collaboration uh, why and how uh, you connected with Silver Hill and how it what its impact was on the production. Absolutely. And we selected, our board selected ordinary people because we wanted to join the community's conversation on mental health. I think, as you're well aware, the incidence of suicide and mental health has been rising um, pre-pandemic but certainly post-pandemic unfortunately and we believed that performance in live theater would create an opportunity to um, have a conversation join the conversation and create discussion in the community through theater as a third wall if you will mm. that you could talk in the abstract about a production as opposed to talking about your own personal issues so that's how we selected the play. And then we said to make it relevant, as many of the other speakers did today, you find that 
as good a program as you may have as an individual organization, you can strengthen that by leveraging the skills and resources in the community. So I actually first went and talked with New Canaan's um, director of mental of human services, excuse me, Bethany Zaro. And Bethany and I talked about what we were going to do with the play and said we'd really like to find a way to make this you know, integrated into the community and actually um, raise funds or host a benefit that would support an, a topic of interest in the community, something that's relevant. So we settled on the New Canaan Urgent Assessment Program, which happens to be run by Silver Hill Hospital, which is located in New Canaan. So we went and talked to uh, actually Michael Grote, Dr. Michael Grote, the chief clinical officer, and he said he'd be glad to work with us. So our idea was that given the, the difficult topic, as you mentioned, the deal with this play and the story in the play, we wanted to make sure that the, the actors maintained their own sanity through the rehearsal <laughs> process, uh, that they represented the characters with authenticity, because there is a psychiatrist in the production who acts as a coach to both the parent as well as the, the son that's the main character, protagonist in the play. And we also wanted to make it, create an opportunity to truly connect with our audiences. So Dr. Grote agreed to uh, lead audience discussions or talkbacks after our three Sunday matinee performances, which were incredible experiences. so, and, and for those um, the audience who aren't familiar, Silver Hill Hospital is a nonprofit psychiatric hospital, again located in New Canaan. So they're nationally, internationally known, and very successful. But and Dr. Groat's area of specialty happens to be suicidology. Yeah. So he's a, a practicing clinician but also leads the staff there at Silver Hill. So he joined the cast for probably a dozen rehearsals and then also joined uh, and led the audience talkbacks, which were cathartic, I would say, mm. and for many people in the audience. So that was, that was good. And then the other thing that we did is we reached out to the school because we wanted to reach as many people in the community and we had audience members from 9 to 96. My mom was there. Wow. She was age 96. So we <laughs> spanned all generations here. And we actually hosted a uh, Saturday matinee specifically for teens to come and see the production. And for that show, Dr. Andrew Gerber, who is the chief medical officer and president at Silver Hill, with Dr. Grote, uh, were joined the cast on stage to have a conversation with the audience. And that was phenomenal as well. So we had teams from you know, multiple towns in the area come. So it was great. Fantastic. Well, Patricia, um, congratulations on this amazing production and its impact on the community. I mean, it really says something, I think, about the role of community theatres today. Uh, it really exemplifies that, that, that terrific role. Diane, quickly, any response to that story? Yeah, well, the... I, 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 again, drama, theatre, that is sort of 
one of the best ways to connect um, to an audience. In this case, wow, it just seems that it was so well executed with the participation of the, you know, the clinical side uh, being very, you yeah. know, accurate, being re- be able to re- make reference and and then include. I, I wonder, and I know there's probably not a lot of time, but I'm curious, and maybe Patricia will have a conversation someday yes. about what actually ensued and future, you know, possible uh, collaborations uh, in the theater yes. uh, along those lines, yeah. because it sounds like something where there's certainly momentum to be, um, taken advantage of there um, and within the community a need and uh, yeah. yes uh, Patricia I'm sorry we couldn't spend more time with you and uh, really really an amazing production so Thank you. this it was a good experience for everyone for sure um, resources Diane can people contact you or um, are there yeah of course I have a website mm-hmm. mind body home Creative mindbodyhome.com. Okay, and um, I'm 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 still I'm busy, but I'm practicing right. and I'm passionate. So any I'm always willing like this to be connected to to this topic in any way that I can. And um, there are a lot of resources out there, uh, certainly. Right. And, uh, Maybe we can work on that and produce a, a set of resources coming out yes, of this. So this was a very, very big subject, and I want to thank you all, um, those in the studio and those on the phone, uh, all for shining a light on the different ways that arts can affect our health. Mm -hmm. Thank you all very much. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. This is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County. You've been listening to our April 2023 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Our program today, The Arts and Healing, looked at what the impact of the arts can be on our mental, spiritual, and physical health. Our guide for the hour was Diane Niklaus, creative wellness coach. Our other guests were today Tatiana Mori, director of the Greenwich Arts Council. Two teaching artists, Darcy Hicks, director of education at the Norwalk Art Space, and Felicity Kostakis, who has taught at Action Arts at the Greenwich Academy and her own studio. And lastly, Patricia Spugani with the Town Players of New Canaan. I'm David Green. With-